Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. I did not deal with my grief in a healthy way, and it just plunged me deeper and deeper into a pit of depression that I couldn't see my way out of. And it was over two years, and it got to the point where I was contemplating suicide. The reason why I didn't swallow that handful of pills was because I thought about those people, and I did realize I was loved. And I want to say this for those who maybe have loved ones who are battling with depression, is that in the moment, my loved ones probably felt ignored and like I wasn't hearing them, but I was. And I I I want to encourage people, even if you think you're not making a difference, reaching out and letting somebody know that you care and that you love them, they hear that. Whether or not you get the response you want, they hear it and it does make a difference. Mandisa is now a mental health advocate, helping others find true joy and peace. And although she is still on her own journey and still recovering, Mandisa says it's so important to bring mental health discussions into the spotlight and especially into the church today in Connection. She's going to share a little bit about her own journey and how she's using it to help others. We're joined today by Mandisa. She is a Grammy award-winning artist who got her start singing back up for Trisha Yearwood and Shania Twain with more than 1.6 million records sold. Mandisa is a voice of encouragement and truth to people facing life's challenges all around the world. First of all, when I think Mandisa... I think of songs like Overcomer, Good Morning, Stronger, right? Super upbeat and happy and stuff like that. That's who I think of when I think of Mandisa. But you've got a new book out and really interesting to see the journey that you've come through, Mandisa, really struggling Mm -hmm. with a dark period in your life. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting because um, I feel like depression and anxiety, those types of mental illnesses, so many people struggle with it. And you often don't know based on, you know, what you see on the outside. And so it was important for me to write my story of battling with depression and not just one particular period. But actually, as I wrote the book, I realized I've kind of seen this thread many times throughout my life. Um, But the period that it really got at its worst was actually right after I released Overcomer. Um, It was actually written with my friend Keisha in mind. She was diagnosed with breast cancer while she was pregnant. And so she gave birth and Brennan is perfect and beautiful and healthy. But she had one year with him before she passed away. And I did not deal with my grief in a healthy way. And it just plunged me deeper and deeper into a pit of depression that I couldn't see my way out of. And it was over two years and it got to the point where I was contemplating suicide. Um, And so I I really wanted to write this book to talk about this situation that I think a lot of people that are Christians struggle with. I think it's time that the body of Christ really address these things so that people know that they're not the only ones suffering. Did you feel that you had to hide all those emotions and what you were feeling inside? I did. Yeah. I I felt especially because like you said, so many of my songs are positive and upbeat and encouraging. And that is genuinely who I am. And so I felt like I would be a disappointment if I were to be honest. There's something about my mindset that made me think that I was less of a Christian because um, Christians are supposed to have joy. They're not supposed to be depressed. And, you know, I, I come to understand, I think so many people have struggled, even people that we see in the Bible. And the way that I see God address those people is not by saying, I'm so ashamed of you, I'm so disappointed, but with love and with grace. And so I think that's how we should respond to each other as well. Yes. Yeah, so many, I think we put our pressure on ourselves, whether we're like a 
Christian in the spotlight or not, we're yeah. afraid to let people at church know that we're struggling, whether it's mental health or yeah. maybe our kids are rebelling or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. We're so scared to let people know that we don't have it all together. That's probably one of like the greatest tools that Satan can use is us keeping it to ourselves. Absolutely. And I think we miss the mark by thinking that we have to have it all together. When really what I see God talk about in the Bible is how much we need each other and how we're the body of Christ and that we can't say to somebody else that I don't need you or try to pretend like we're supposed to figure it out all by ourselves. I think part of us talking about it is realizing how much we need each other and how much the body of Christ should be there to support one another in times like this. One thing that's really great about your book is that you call it a conversation starter. And obviously, from what we've been saying, that's so important to start the conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. At the end of each chapter, um, I have discussion questions because more than anything, I don't just want people reading my story. I really want people to start talking about this among themselves. And so my dream is that people would gather together in living rooms and coffee shops and that the questions that I have at the end of the book, I call it uh, getting real, um, that those would be prompts to begin talking about these things. Cause I guarantee somebody in your life is battling with something. And so being able to talk about it, I think is the way that we find ourselves getting healed is by opening up the conversation. You um, are very open and honest in your book uh, talking about past traumas and hurts and finding healing in those traumas. What was it for you that started that journey towards true deep healing? Yeah. So it was actually an intervention that my people, my tribe, my friends, um, when I was, when it was two years in and they finally said, okay, enough is enough. And they um, found me in a movie theater and they sat out there because I watched two movies. Um, and so four hours, they were out there in the parking lot. And when I came out, I had a bunch of sticky notes all over my car. And um, they said things like, we love you and we miss you. And they had written scriptures. Uh, and as I got closer to my car, I realized that several of my friends were still there. And they pulled me over into a little spot next to the theater. And they had an intervention where they essentially said, we love you. We accept you just the way that you are, but we love you too much to leave you there. And they forced me to get counseling. That's when I finally started dealing with that grief that I had been stuffing down. Um, And it was through my counseling journey that I finally started opening up. And it was through the love of the people around me that I started dealing with these things because I probably would not have, to be honest, unless um, they had essentially forced me to. And so I'm so thankful for them. It's, it's again, why I'm such a proponent of having people that we can trust and rely on during times like this because I couldn't do it by myself. And so it was my loved ones um, that helped to start pulling me out of the dark. What was that intervention like? Like in the middle of that intervention, they're surrounding you, telling you you need help. Were you like, oh, they see me, they love me, they care about me, this is great? Or were you like, get away, I don't need your help? <laughs> Absolutely the latter. So I was upset. First of all, I was like, how did you find me? I, was, I felt like I was, I don't know, I, I was just bothered in the moment. I think anytime you're confronted with something like that, that's what my flesh wanted. It was only afterwards, as I started to look back and I realized, wow. These people really love me. And even before that happened, like my, my loved ones always calling and texting and some came to my house. Um, I, I was angry in the moment, but 
the reason why I didn't swallow that handful of bills was because I thought about those people mm-hmm. and I did realize I was loved. And I want to say this for those who maybe have loved ones who are battling with depression is that in the moment, my loved ones probably felt ignored and like I wasn't hearing them, but I was. And I, I want to encourage people, even if you think you're not making a difference, reaching out and letting somebody know that you care and that you love them. They hear that whether or not you get the response you want, they hear it and it does make a difference. How was your faith affected by all of this? Well, it was shaken at first, um, but I think it was ultimately deepened um, because I realized I realized how God does not just want me at my best. I realized he wants everything and I was scared to let him into those places and I was ashamed. I felt like I couldn't talk to him about my anger and um, my grief. I just, I wanted to hide it from him, but now I understand he knows it anyway. And it's only through letting it out that he's able to bring healing. And so I think about David, I've done a lot of studying him in the last several years, you know, David made a lot of mistakes, but he was a man after God's own heart. And when you read the Psalms that David penned, he was honest with God. He would talk about his anger. He would talk about how he wanted God to do this and slay the wicked. And these people are after me. And why are you allowing it? Um, But he would ultimately pause. And that's when I feel like he would open his ears to let God speak to him. And so I'm learning. I don't want to say that I've conquered it (laughs) because it's still something I struggle with that when I'm angry, when I'm disappointed, when I don't understand why God would allow something to let him in on those things and to talk to him about those things, that's when I finally open up myself to hear from him. And ultimately that has deepened my relationship with God. Has your music found new, deeper meaning through the midst of all this? Or was music even present? Like in the midst of that depression, you know, did you still have that love and joy of music that you so obviously have? And and how did it change coming out of it? Yeah, you know, to be honest, not in the middle of it. The last thing when I was in the dark, dark, I didn't want to hear any music. I mean, because that's a glimpse of light. And when you're in the dark, any kind of form of light to me was uncomfortable. And so it was only when I would turn on my local Christian radio station and some song would get my attention. I kind of begrudgingly was starting to feel hope. So I would kind of turn it off. After I began coming out of it, though, um, I found that I was more attracted to worship music. You know, a lot of my music is horizontal, like it's speaking to the audience, you know, you're an overcomer and this is going to make you stronger. And I, I do feel a calling to encourage in that way. It felt like afterwards, a lot of my music was more vertical. I was talking directly to God. It was worship. It was addressing you, God, and I trust you. And I think, uh, I think it's important to have both. I do find, though, like the music that I've been releasing lately, it's more worship. It's more vertical. I do, you know, eventually I, I know that I will also do the more horizontal, encouraging the body of Christ. I just, I feel like um, there is real power in worship. And there's real power in speaking directly to God. So I do think a lot of that came out in the aftermath. Speaking of your music, you released a song with the same title as your book, Out of the Dark. Tell us about the song and the meaning behind that. Yeah, so actually the first album that I released after the deep, dark depression that I refer to, um, it was my album, Out of the Dark. And so that was actually in 2016. Um, I have since released this book. I have a podcast called Out of the Dark, where we address mental health issues in the body of Christ. So I feel like it is a theme of mine. Um, 
to really let people know about this journey that I continue to be on. Uh, we just released a remix of Out of the Dark, which is, again, it's a get up and dance and, you know, celebrate, proclaim, you know, the goodness of God, even in the middle of darkness. And so the remix has come out recently, and it just kind of goes hand in hand with um, the book title and also the podcast that I have, Out of the Dark. In the book, you talk a lot about uh, your self-image and stuff like that. And again, kind of surprising for people like me, like, oh, what? Mandisa's is awesome. How could she not look in the mirror and say, hey, I'm awesome. <laughs> so what's that journey been like the last five, six years as you've been uh, coming out of that darkness and what's changed about self-image and how have you been working on that? Because I think that struggle with self-image is definitely something a lot of us can relate to. Oh, it is the hardest thing ever. <laughs> you know, I, so much of my depression is tied with my weight and how I turn to food for comfort. And I wish I could tell you that I have conquered this thing. Honestly, since my first album came out in 2007, my weight has gone up and down and up and down. Um, it feels like the thorn in my flesh. Uh, this pandemic has not helped. <laughs> you know, I spent a lot of yeah. time at home alone and ordering lots of food. Um, but I am really trying to cling to the truth of like first Peter three, that my beauty doesn't come from outward appearance. Um, it really is an inner beauty. And that's always, you know, my first album was called true beauty. So that is always a lesson that I am trying to learn. Uh, again, not something I could say that I've conquered. It is just something that I can say one day at a time by the grace of God, I am trying to get there, but not just allowing my worth and my identity to be dictated by the reflection I see in the mirror. That's just something I am still trying to learn every day. Well, if it helps, uh, I need to tell you this. Um, years ago, you came through our radio station when you were on tour, you signed a picture to us and I have that picture in a frame in our studio. And when we hire new radio DJs that are a little green and they need to loosen up behind the microphone, you know, I pull out the picture of Mandisa <laughs> and I put it on the counter and I say, this is your new friend, Mandisa. You're not talking <laughs> to thousands of people on the radio. It's just you and your new best friend, Mandisa. You know what? It helps make radio stars. So you've helped more people than you know. Ah, that blesses me. Thank you. <laughs> What would you say out of this entire journey is the thing maybe that you've learned or that you've taken away from all of this? I think right now, um, recognizing how I'm just in the middle of my story. I don't know when the story ends, but that scripture in Philippians chapter one, verse six, being confident of this, that God who began a good work in me will carry it into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Um, I have a song called Unfinished that it's based on that. And I have to remind myself, this isn't the end. Like who knows where I am in the story of my life, but God is still writing it. And even the hard times and yes, the good times, and I have so many of them, they're all a part of the beautiful story that he's writing. And just to be encouraged, God has not finished with me yet. He is still working. And right now I'm just unfinished. Was writing the book helpful for you or was it really difficult to relive a lot of those moments? Both. Yeah. <laughs> it was really, really hard um, just revisiting some of these things. But ultimately, I think, you know, if I'm going to talk about how important it is to have these conversations, I have to say that that is true of myself as well. And not just bearing these hard, difficult times, but opening up conversations with God about them. I think there's always a place of healing to be had. And so, yeah, it was really difficult. Ultimately, I think it's going to be worth it. For our listeners that may be listening to your story and are just in a very dark place themselves at the moment, what would you say to them? 
I would say you can't, don't try to do it by yourself. And yes, God is all that you need, but so often God works through the people around you. And so find one person that you can let in on everything. Um, and that person can be, you know, a friend, a family member. It can be a counselor. It can be a professional who knows how to walk through some of these things, but don't try to do it by yourself. Um, know that you've got somebody around you um, that can help walk you through it. And if you don't, ask God for it. That is a prayer that he would delight to answer for you. Um, just know that so often, you know, you know, God, when he sent his love into the world, he sent it through his son, Jesus. But when Jesus ascended, he said that we are now the body of Christ. And so we need to be the hands and the feet um, to help lead somebody into a place of healing. Mandisa's new book, Out of the Dark, My Journey Through the Shadow to Find God's Joy. Tell us the best place to pick up that book and best place to follow along with you online, uh, Mandisa, to see what you're up to next. Well, it's available anywhere that you get books. Um, I, my website, Chefs and Information. I'm really Mandisa Official everywhere, all social media. And my website is mandisaofficial.com. Thank you so much for making time for us. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.